Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Oh, I don't hear my, I don't, I don't know. It's covered. I don't know what we're going to do. Hallelujah. Should be, should be working. Praise God. Hallelujah. There you go. Amen. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. He alone is worthy. Well, if you've been living just for a little bit, doesn't have to be a long time, but just for a little bit, I hope you've looked around and realized that a lot has changed. A lot has changed, and the way things started out, the way you thought they would continue, a lot of it has not continued that way, and a lot of it has not been going in the way it started out. And that should be a signal to all of us to say, Lord, I need to be right dead smack in your will. I need to be giving my all to you. Because he is the one that has everything in his hands. And we need to live our life like Jesus is the one that is in full control and that he's sovereign and that we know if we are, if we put all of our confidence and our trust in him, then we know we're going to be all right. And no matter what changes, we know we will be fine. But for some reason, it, it seems, I don't know, like we're seeing all of this. And it's almost like we're being attacked and we can't scream. Because I don't know why I don't see many more of us are saying, let me step up my commitment. Let me step up my faithfulness. Let me step up the way I commit myself to God because only he knows what the future holds. Only he has control over tomorrow. And so when you begin to get to that place in realizing that Jesus is the only one that have control over the next moment and the next day, then we just need to immerse ourselves into him. I pray that we will really grab a hold of the king like we've never grabbed a hold of him because the prayer request that we get all the time, it's amazing. Here's the prayer request tonight. Sister Tracy Ann. She just got baptized in Jesus' name, living for the Lord, starting out. We need to pray for her, that God will touch her and God's will will be done in her life. We need, we need to pray for Sister Henry, Brother Henry's wife, uh, that God will touch her health-wise, that God will heal her body. The Haskers, we need to touch and agree for them to have healing, wholeness in their body and to be kept from all ailments and sickness and We need to pray for Sister Haskers, or her brother Hasker, her mother, um, that God will touch her as well and give her strength. And we need a miracle for Bob and Beverly. I think um, the last word that we got from that was that Bob started doing better, right? Amen. So let's continue to pray for them. Now, I just got a, um, 
a message from my dad that one of my cousins in Jamaica just passed away last night. And she's young, younger than me. So, you know, you're young. Um, and so I'm still trying to process that one. But from what I have experienced in the past few months and over the pandemic time, what we continue to experience, church, I got to be honest with you, there is nothing more important than Jesus. Like, what else are we making more important than Jesus? How are we governing our life to make Jesus almost like, you know, I see him on Thursday and I'll see him on Sunday morning. That's kind of how we treat Jesus. And if I get a chance, I'll talk to him a little bit in the morning. But I won't let him talk to me. I'll just tell him what I think. I mean, that's not living for God. Telling the Lord what you want in the morning and then go about your ways and then see him on Thursday evening, hoping that you'll get some revelation. And then Sunday morning again, you know, hoping that you'll feel good and get, you know, some kind of understanding. That's not living for God, church. That's just still living for yourself just in a different form. Because all of it still come back to you. I tell Jesus what I want in the morning. That's me. I come on Thursday. I need Jesus to impart some real nice wisdom and knowledge. That's me. I come on Sunday morning. I need to feel good. I need to be lifted. And I need to, you know, the praise and worship need to be good. And pastor need to preach a message that make me feel good. That's all you. So if that's how we order our life and conduct our life, it's still really about us and not about the Lord. And we kind of camouflage it in saying that we're Christians and Christians should be, you know, we're Christ centered, Christ like we are living a life of sacrifice, a life that pleases him and not us. And that's what a Christian should be. But we have kind of, you know, form it in a way where we're saying we're Christians, we're living for God. But if we're really honest with ourselves, we're living for ourselves. We want to get to heaven. We want to be blessed. We want to feel good. We want God to do what we want him to do, and we have not scratched the surface about living a life of sacrifice, commitment, faithfulness, dedication, submitting our life to God, doing for others. I mean, where is that? We've got a lot to really re-examine re, re about our walk with God. This doesn't have nothing to do with nobody. Don't think about nobody else. Just think about yourself and say, let me re-examine myself in how I am living for God. Am I just uh, uh, calling myself a Christian because of some of the things that I do? Or am I a real Christian? I'm living for Christ. No longer I live, but Christ liveth in me. Is that how we're living? Or we're just, this is just kind of what we do, so we just keep doing that. I challenge you tonight. And I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. That What I'm saying shouldn't be bad news, but that's how spoiled we have become. That when these kind of things are spoken in the congregation, we feel like, oh, pastor didn't encourage us. Because we are no, now accustomed to, I need to feel good. So I need to say something to make you feel good. And if I say something that don't make you feel good, then I didn't do good tonight. <laughs> that's kind of how we, that's where we've gone. If I don't say something good to make you feel good, then I didn't do good. Well, the only difference between that and what, what I'm doing here is I'm telling you this. I do what I do to please God, and hopefully that will please you too. But if God is pleasing, you're not. Oh, well. 
just what it comes down to. So we have some prayer requests tonight. Tracy Ann prayed for God to touch her. I'm not sure if that is um, healing or, you know, mental or financial. I don't know. So let's keep Tracy Ann in your prayer that God will continue to help her to grow in him, to grow up in Christ. Pray for Sister Henry, for God to touch her body, make her whole. The Hasker, that God will keep them from all sickness and ailments. And for uh, Brother Hasker's mother, that God will touch her body and that God will keep her from any sickness or ailments. Uh, continue to pray for Bob and Beverly and pray for the Jacksons family in Jamaica that God will keep them in this time and that God will reveal himself to them and they, and they will turn to him in faith and obedience. As God reveal himself to them, that they will turn to him in faith and obedience. Stand with me. And let's go before the Lord in prayer tonight. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I have an aunt by the name of Phyllis. Pray for her that God will touch her body. Sister Scarlett, that God will touch her. <laughs> we can go on and on. I'm just but this is what it has come to, and we're not realizing that it, it it's that it's at that place where everybody is battling. And we are so lost in our minds that we don't even realize, you know, we, 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 we find ourselves saying, you know, thinking that, you know, we're the only ones that's going through something. Man, everybody's going through something. Everybody is battling. These, these stories come out. Some of it we hear about. Some people just don't talk about. You know, if you're like me, I'm not talking about nothing. I, I just don't have time because in my mind, I just got to leave it to Jesus. But that don't mean I'm not going through something. I just trust the Lord because I know he's the only source. He's the only thing, the only one that can help. So we're all battling and all going through stuff, all have challenges. So don't just think that your situation is just you. Everybody's got something going. So we need to, matter of fact, tomorrow morning prayer, Brother Scarlett, I don't know if we can get that on the board, but I think that we need to make our focus on just praying for each other. In our prayer tomorrow morning and even tonight, um, Brother Sharp, well, I don't know how you do on Thursday nights, but you know what I mean. Um, let's incorporate our prayer to, to start praying for one another, to pray for our families, to pray for healing, to pray for strength, to pray for wholeness, to pray that God reveal himself to our family and that they will come to know him, to pray that people that are dying without God, that they will not die without Christ, that they will have an opportunity to know him. We need to focus on those things and pray about those things because truly we are in dire need of the help of the Lord. And I don't know if we're realizing it or we just think that, you know, it's business as usual. It's not business as usual to me. As a matter of fact, today, um, um, my wife said something to me about retirement. And in my mind, I didn't tell her this. She just heard it for the first time. I'm like, yeah, if I make it to retirement, sis, I mean, y'all can have whatever I got because the way things are going, I don't know. I, I'm just saying, I'm just being real. Listen, listen, my daddy that 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 was part of me being here is gone. He died this year. My my father in law, he died not long ago. So I don't know about nobody else. I just don't go around publicizing everything and saying everything. But I don't know about that's real for me. So I got to look at myself and say, I don't know what I'm going from here. I don't know when I'm going from here, so I'm not crazy to think that I've got a long time. I don't know. This don't have anything to do with good health, bad health, or indifferent health. It just seems like it's just numbers are being called. Numbers are being called from heaven. 
And when that number is called, ain't nothing me, you, or anybody can do about it. That number gets called. So all I can tell you right now is to live for God. And when we live for God, when the number gets called, we will have a church service of celebration and not a church service of people crying. Let's eliminate the crying funerals and let's have funerals of celebration. When our number get called, if we were on the right track, doing right, guess what? Let it be a cell. I'm telling you all right now, don't nobody come crying to my funeral. If I leave here any time soon, somebody need to be saying, Brother Tom, tell them, y'all better win a soul in that, in, in that funeral service. Y'all better make sure somebody get prayed through in the Holy Ghost at his funeral. Make sure somebody get baptized at his funeral. Because that's what this is about for me. It's not about anything else. Let's pray. We've got people that we've got to lift up before Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, oh God, how excellent is your name in all of the earth. Lord, we come before you tonight as a church family. God, we are so desperately in need to be in alignment with you and to be faithful and committed to you. We humble ourselves tonight, Lord God, under your authority. We submit to you, Lord. We repent of our sins and ask that you will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, we want to be able to have the privilege to be in your presence tonight and to be able to call upon your name for those who are sick and those who are in need of you tonight Lord we want our prayers to be heard in heaven and Lord we want them to be granted if it's according to your will and so tonight we bring before you Lord God sister Tracy Ann that the power of God will move upon her and that Lord you will touch her body and touch her mind by the power of of the almighty God and that you'll give her strength uh, and that you'll heal her and that you'll make her whole Lord God I pray for sister Henry tonight Lord uh, that by your stripes she will be healed uh, that by your stripes she will be made whole uh, in the name of Jesus Christ uh, I pray that you will keep the Haskers uh, that your hand will be upon the Haskers uh, that no oh God sickness or ailment will take their bodies Lord uh, but your hand will be upon them uh, in the name of Jesus Christ I pray that your hand will be upon Brother Hasker's mother, Lord, that you will keep her, Lord God, from sickness and from ailments and from disease, Lord God. Touch her body like only you can, I pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, God, have your way tonight. Will you continue to show forth your goodness and your power in, oh, God, Bob's life and in Beverly's life, Lord, that they will be fully recovered and behold in the the name of Jesus Christ. I pray tonight for the Jackson's family in Jamaica, Lord God, that Lord, you will reveal yourself to them, that they will come to know truth, that they will come to know who you are and respond in obedience and faith to your revelation, Almighty God. Will you bring peace upon them? Will you bring joy in their soul? And will you... Speak to them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I pray for Aunt Phyllis, Lord.
Lord, that you would touch her body, Lord, and that you heal her, almighty God, that your will be done in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, for all those who are sick in the body, for all those who are battling emotional stress, Lord God, I pray tonight that you will send them in the house of God, that you will heal their body, and that you will touch their mind, and that your will be done in their life, that they will be saved, oh God, and know who you are for themselves, oh Father, hear our cry tonight, will you move in the midst of us tonight, will you speak to hearts and minds tonight, will you bring revelation tonight, will you convict, oh God, tonight, will you edify and build up tonight, will you cause us, Lord, to move to a new dimension spiritually, in the name of Jesus, I pray for Sister Scarlett tonight, that you would touch her body, Lord, and touch her mind, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, have your way, I pray, for Brother Bradley, Lord God, that you would keep him, Lord God, and bless him, Lord God, and show him favor, Almighty God, oh Lord, hear our cry tonight, as we cry out to you, as we call upon your name, draw us a little closer to you tonight, don't let us leave this place tonight the same way we came into this house, but will you move upon us, that we will have the compassion for each other that you have for us, in the name of Jesus, that we will seek out, oh God, to be a blessing one to another, Lord, have your way, oh God, pour out of your spirit tonight, and will you do great things in this house, Lord, as we give you the praise and the honor, we thank you tonight, we bless your name, oh God, have your way, oh God, we praise you and thank you tonight, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh, glory, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord, we thank you tonight. We bless your name. We praise your name. We give you the honor, Lord Jesus, for there is none like you. Oh, God, this morning the Lord put on my heart, oh, this song that I've been singing all day. Hallelujah. Sing with me tonight. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget. No, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget. No, nah. How can I forget? How can I forget what you've done for me? How can I forget how you set me free? How can I forget how you brought me out? How can I forget? No, 
never forget, you know I'll never, never, never forget. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified. Free me forever. One day he's coming back, glorious day. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified. Freed me forever. One day he's coming back, glory never. Never, never forget, never, never forget. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget. How you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget. When it gets crazy, when it gets so overwhelming, just remember that Jesus has done great things for us. And in spite of how dark the days may seem, in spite of how hard things may seem to be, he has done so much for us. He continues to do so much for us. And guess what? One day he's coming back and that will be a glorious day that we will be with Jesus forever and we won't have to worry about all of the things that is happening around us. Don't forget that Jesus has been good to us. Don't forget what he has done for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The Bible says that we overcome the evil one and we overcome this world by the word of God, the word of our testimony and by the blood of the lamb. And every once in a while when things get a little rough, you need to remember your testimony. You need to remember the blood. And so when it gets rough and it gets tough, when you start doubting, when you're worried, when you're concerned, just remember that Jesus has done great things for us and he has brought you to from a mighty long way. And if the devil could have killed you, he would have killed you already, but he can't kill you. So he's just trying to lower you out from the presence of God, lowering you out from the hands of God so he can do what he wants with you. But as long as we stay in the hand of the Lord... He can't do anything to us. Don't forget that. Jesus is so good, so wonderful. Amen. We're teaching on forgiveness. You may be seated. We've been talking about forgiveness, and I want you to follow with me tonight. We're going to, this is, I, I, I'm quite sure what I'm going to teach you about tonight is not something that's popular that you go about hearing. And so you can scroll through the internet, and you won't get a whole lot of teaching like you're getting ready to hear tonight. And so I want you to absorb everything the Lord will say. Uh, don't dismiss it. Amen. That was, yes, okay. Absorb everything that you can uh, from the teaching tonight and begin to apply it into your life 
This is not just any kind of teaching. You won't go just any place and hear this. And so I want you to listen to what God wants to say to your heart and everything that God says. Don't don't think about nobody else. Listen to the word of God for yourself. Listen to the word of God tonight for yourself and let the word examine your heart. Let the word challenge you. Don't think of nobody else. Nobody else matters right now. God wants to speak directly to you. So don't worry about anybody else. Amen. Remember, we started talking about um, uh, the, the, the royal law and we found it in James 2 and 8. The Bible says, if ye fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Ye do well. So when we love our neighbor as ourselves, the Bible says we do well. But the Bible also calls that the royal law. In verse 9, it says, but if you have respect to persons, ye commit sin. All of us need to say ouch on that because many of us have been respecter of persons. We treat people differently and God didn't call us to treat people differently. We're not talking about just understanding personalities and working within people's personality, meaning you can't love this one and not love the other one, right? The Bible says we must love our neighbor as we love ourselves so i can't say i love this neighbor but i don't love that neighbor now we have become respecters of person and when we do that we commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors so a lot of times we want to think of the big sins because you know that's just us we think sin we have big sins and little sins. So if you tell a lie, you did a big sin. You know, if you start cussing, you did a big sin. You start drinking, you did a big sin. But, you know, if, if, if I ignore somebody and not love them like I love the other person, that's not really a sin. Somebody say amen. And that's not correct. Amen. Because we're supposed to love everyone the same way. So if we just stop tonight right there, we've got a lot of work to do. To go love everybody the same. <laughs> for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point he is guilty of all so there we go again you can be the most you know you know know how to your discipline you you know how to do things because you're disciplined but but if you just break one portion of the law of not doing one thing that you're supposed to do you're no different than the one that's breaking a whole lot of them for he that said do not commit adultery said also do not kill now if thou commit no adultery here we go yet if thou kill thou art become a transgressor of the law so you can't say murdering is just the worst and so if you kill you're the worst i'm not saying murdering is not terrible i'm just saying in god's book if you commit adultery or you kill somebody to god they're both sin and none is greater than the other you sinned all right we'll move along here so speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that had shown no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he had faith, and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warm and fill, notwithstanding you give them not 
those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it had not works, is dead being alone. For all of us that are saying we have faith, but we're not loving our brothers, we're not loving our sisters, we're not seeing people in need and doing something for them, you're not demonstrating faith. We thought faith alone. We thought faith was only talking about, I believe God for the supernatural. <laughs> Should I mean by being a Christian is not as simple as some of us have, do, have been doing it because it's a whole lot more to being a Christian than just showing up for church service and saying some prayers once in a while. Yea, a man may say thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. Again, here we are. The Bible says there's one God. If you believe there's one God, you do well. If you want to believe in the Trinity, you don't do well. <laughs> the devil also believe and tremble. But will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works. <laughs> All right. Let me give you another portion of scripture and then we'll get into what we're talking about here tonight. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 12. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 12. In verse number 12 in Matthew chapter 6, the Bible says, And forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Here we go now. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses. Neither will your heavenly father forgive your trespass. Those are commandments. Those are not like, you know, um, well, you know, a suggestion. Those are commandments. And so tonight I want to talk to you about the alternatives to forgiveness. Let me explain that a little bit. I will talk to you tonight about what people do to avoid forgiving someone. So forgiveness is very difficult. How can you say that, preacher? Because look at what Jesus had to do to forgive us. He went to his, what we did, and for him to make sure we were free from sin, he had to go to Calvary. So there's sacrifice involved. There's pain involved in forgiveness. So a lot of people do not want to forgive because they don't want to sacrifice or they don't want to experience any pain, any, 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 you know, uh, lowering of themselves, humility. So because we don't want to experience humility, we don't want to experience pain, we don't want to experience sacrifice, we do not forgive. And so we look for alternatives to do something that looks like forgiveness, but God didn't tell us to do that. God say, forgive. God say forgive. So why do people try to avoid forgiving? Forgiveness is costly. Think of the cross of Calvary. That was costly. The natural mind thinks that there must be a cheaper way 
to bring balance other than forgiveness, but there is not. So our mind, because we're always looking for convenience, we're always looking for the easiest way to get things done. When it's time to do something, we always seek to look for the easiest way to get it done. And that includes how we live for God. Do you know why we have earthquakes and volcanoes today? Because the earth, as it spins on its axis, has just a slight wobble. The earth is wobbling slightly as it spins. It's just a little out of balance. And that creates the pressure on elements of the earth that builds up until it explodes and that causes and that and and causes there to be earthquakes and volcanoes. Listen to me. The scripture says that creation groans at the sin and trespasses of the people on it. Our sin didn't just affect ourselves. It affected the universe. One day God will bring everything back into balance again. When there is an offense and imbalance occurs and need to be brought back into balance. I want to start now with those things that we try to do to bring things back into balance. These are things that are outside of the plan of God. So the alternatives that we try to, 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 to do instead of forgiving, they are outside of the plan of God. So whenever we try to avoid forgiving somebody, we do other things. That's outside of the plan of God. And God is still holding us accountable to forgive. So not forgiving, but doing some other things and telling yourself this is okay. I'm telling you tonight, it's not okay according to the Lord. The only thing that we can ever do for forgiveness is to forgive. There's no alternative. There's nothing you can conjure up or come up with that's really smart, that's really intelligent, that takes the place of forgiveness. Nothing. So six things I'm going to talk to you about tonight. Hopefully I can get through them. Six things I want to talk to you tonight about what we do as alternatives to forgiveness. The first thing we do is we try to show restitution. The second thing we do is retaliation. The third thing we do is resentment. The fourth thing, reservation. The fifth thing, Roll off. The sixth thing, forgetting. I'll go back over them. I'll go slowly. I just wanted you to know those six things that we want to go through tonight because they are the things we do as alternative instead of forgiving someone. Let's look at restitution. Restitution, or should we say, restoration to the former or original state. The restoration of a property rights previously taken away. 
So when we're talking about restitution, we're, we're talking about trying to restore something to its original state. Restitution is not a restoration of balance, but a returning to the original balance, whatever that original balance was. But remember, we said everything is out of balance, really, when sin took place. Didn't we say that? <laughs> Restoration to the original state, which demands that all effects of the event that changed the original state be eliminated so that all things are as they have been and had the change never taken place. This requires change in the past. So real quick. You can't really restore anything. We are not capable as human beings to restore anything because the only way you can restore anything is by changing the past. Meaning, whatever you did to someone, you change that. Now, think about that. Whatever you have done to someone, can you change it? So there's never rest. Restoration is not possible. Because you can't change it. You can't restore anything. So if you've done something to offend and to hurt someone, you can't change that. So no matter what you do to change it, it's never changed because you can't change it. Mm -hmm. Restoration of the balance that was upset by an event that changed the original state of balance. Balance can only be restored either by God or mankind. Balance. But restoration can only be done by God. The second thing we try to do is when somebody does us wrong. Remember, when we talk about forgiveness, forgiveness means someone did something to you. Right? So someone did something to you and it's up to you to forgive them even though what they did to you, maybe you didn't deserve it. So this has nothing to do with whether you deserve it or not. Remember, we have scripture. Did Jesus deserve what he got on the cross? So when we're talking about forgiveness, it has nothing to do with what you deserve or don't deserve. It's not about what you deserve. If someone does something to hurt you, you are commanded by God to forgive them. There's no alternative to that. You have to forgive them if you plan to go to heaven and if you plan to live in right relationship with God. Retaliation. What is retaliation? To repay as wrong, to repay as a wrong or injury with the like to return for like, especially to do evil in return for evil. Retaliation is the action taken by the offended when his or her demand for restitution is not fulfilled to his satisfaction. So let's just say somebody hurts you, right? And they did not, you, somebody hurt you, right? And so here you are, you're hurt and the person didn't acknowledge their hurt toward you. They didn't acknowledge or they just kind of start, you know, going on with life and never acknowledge it. Let's just say that happened. A lot of time we are 
we, we are tempted. Let me say it that way. We're tempted to retaliate in some way. It might not be by force because we might not have the force. Because if somebody bigger than you does something to you, you, you don't want to get back to them, you know, with strength for strength because you probably can't match. But you're going to try to do something to retaliate. So instead of forgiving that person, we retaliate. Retaliation is the innocent lowering himself or herself to the level of the guilt to restore some semblance of balance that is more or less acceptable to him or her. So when someone does something to hurt you and you don't forgive them, but you start retaliating in some shape or form, you lower yourself to them. So the person that did you wrong and you didn't deserve it and they had no reason for doing you wrong, something is wrong with them. And when you decide that because they didn't apologize or didn't come and do, you know, treat you nice, when you decide how dare them because they never showed any kind of contrition to it, when you decide how dare them and you decide to retaliate suddenly, you have just become like them. <laughs> yes, I like this kind of teaching. Yeah, Y'all might not like this kind of teaching. Izzy, I like this kind of teaching because sometimes as Christians, we don't realize that. I remember I told somebody this one time. I said to somebody, if I got to fight them the way they are, it makes me a sinner. If I'm a Christian and you do me wrong, I have to operate like a Christian. And if I, be, if I start to handle my situation the way they handled me, I'm no different from them. I have become a sinner. So Christian people, when you decide you can't take it no more and you got to go do it your way, you are now becoming a sinner to handle the situation as a sinner. And now you put yourself right in the same category as the person that just did you wrong for no reason. Payment in kind, doing unto others what they have done unto you, returning evil for evil with interest, returning evil to make up for the good that could have been had the original offense not been committed. Retaliation cannot result in a balance acceptable to everyone involved. For the one receiving the recompense of reward believes the reaction of the offended is excessive when compared to the offense. So if you did me wrong and I retaliate, the person that I'm retaliating on is going to feel like I'm being more harsh or harder on them than they was on me. So here you go jammed up again. So if you want to do it your way and you want to retaliate, you become like the other person, but to them you are even worse because now they're saying, I didn't do it that bad. I didn't treat you that bad. And now look what you're doing to me. <laughs> Thus, retaliation usually caused a chain reaction of returning evil for evil. This is known as war. Thus, retaliation ensures imbalance, disrupts the lives of innocent bystanders and guaranteed Guarantees the continued separation and hostility of the offended from the offender. When you retaliate other people, that's another thing about when you don't forgive. 
other people will certainly get caught up in the mess and get hurt when you don't use forgiveness. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. And so you jump down to verse 21. It says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. God says, vengeance is mine. I learned a long time that if you did me wrong and I try to get back at you and try to do you wrong, how I was hurt, you will never be hurt the same. I don't know how to explain that, but when you did me wrong and hurt me, and I go now to do you wrong to hurt you, the hurt that I felt that you did to me, I'm trying to inflict that same hurt, but I could never do that. When God takes vengeance for you, he's all-knowing. He knows how to take vengeance. He knows how to make you respond and do the right thing. God, but, but you just make a mess. I just make a mess. And so God says, vengeance is mine. So when someone do you wrong, it's not up to you to fix it by retaliating. And, and, and I want you to get the retaliation part because some of us, and I, you know, I hate to you know, single out the ladies at this point, men, because of how their character is, they rambunctious, so when they want to retaliate, it's going to look, look more physical. When men retaliate, it's going to look more physical. When women retaliate, it's intellectual. Oh, don't get quiet on me. So a, a lot of times women re will retaliate, but they do it in a different subtle way. You heard it from a woman. I didn't say that part. I was just being nice. The other thing that we do instead of forgiving someone is now resentment kicks in. Resentment is the next thing that follows. The feeling of displeasure or indignation at something regarded as injury or insult or against the author or source of it. Resentment is the hatred or ill feeling and the withholding of love and affection <laughs> caused by not forgiving, not receiving restitution, and not venting the result, frustration, in retaliation. It is one level of spirituality higher than retaliation. Resentment. Resentment. When you don't forgive, you can find yourself resenting that person. When you don't forgive, you will find yourself resenting. When Forgiveness, when we don't do it, only hurts us. It's, it just doesn't make sense to not forgive because when you don't forgive, it only will hurt you. And that's kind of foolish because to begin with, most of the times when you're the injured party, you were probably innocent. And so you moved yourself from an innocent place to now allow yourself to now become wounded or put yourself in a place where you're suffering and you didn't do anything to begin with. It doesn't make sense to not forgive. 
when the offended decides that restitution by the offender is impossible and that retaliation is not an acceptable option, he or she may resort to resentment to attempt to bring a balance to the broken relationship. It may be he or she believes balance can be made if he denies the offender the love that he or she is due. And so sometimes when somebody hurt hurt you, what you're trying to do is do something to get them to respond. And the bottom line is, if somebody do anything to you, you don't need them to respond only but one way. One way. And if they don't do it, you need to step up and you need to do it. So let's say somebody do something to you and cause hurt to you. And they, you give it time, you pray about it. And you pray about it. But they never come to you and say to you, you know, Stacy. I did this to you the other day and it dawned on me afterwards that I really hurt you and it dawned on me that I really did you wrong. I am so sorry. Will you please forgive me? Say they never do that. You're praying about it. You're praying about it. If it's bothering you enough, at some point, you need to make sure you go to them and say, Stacy, you may not have realized it, but last week, you said so and so and so to me and it really hurt me. And you know what? It bothered me for a little bit. I struggled with it for a little bit, but I just want you to know that I forgave you and I'm okay now. God has helped me with it. I've prayed through and I'm doing better. I don't see you anyway, you know, in any way bad. But, you know, for a minute, dear, I was struggling with it, but I'm good now. And nothing has changed. We're still brothers and sisters in Christ and I love you. That's what God expects. I don't know how you want to do it, but that's what God expects. Mm -hmm. Resentment can be harmful to the offender as well. Its ultimate purpose is to justify retaliation. Uh huh. So what happens sometimes is you retaliate when someone hurts you and you realize it's not affecting them. You're doing things that you think is good retaliation that it should be affecting them. And they're just going about their business like no big deal. And so now you begin to resent them. All because we didn't do how God said to do it. Forgive. Another way resentment can harm the offender is by hindering him or her from seeking the Lord. When you are resenting someone, you don't want to pray. You don't want to pray for real. Let me say it that way. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to pray for real when you resent someone. Because how do you go before God and resent somebody? So, so when you are living in a, in a state of resentment, you pray what we call superficial prayer. Oh, Lord, bless us today. Oh, Lord, let your hand be upon us today. But you're not bringing no kind of heart prayer to God because you know God not accepting that. So you'll pray superficially to, I don't know, trick yourself, deceive yourself. But the bottom line is God is not listening to none of those prayers until you do it right. Resentment denies the offender the love and mercy God considers to be due to them. I'll say that again. Resentment denies the offender 
the love and the mercy God considers due, <laughs> due to them. No matter how badly someone does you, God still loves them. <laughs> but, yeah, we saying, yeah, 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 now, but we know when somebody do, do us wrong, we don't think like that. We think they're, they're an enemy of God right now. God hates them, and so therefore that gives me the right to hate them too. Because how can they do that to me? God have a problem with them. For those of you that have children and you're good parents, when they're fighting, do you hate one more than the other? I'm just saying. Your children get into fights. You love one and don't like the other? No, you love them all the same. They fighting each other, but you still love them? Well, God don't hate the person that offended you. So don't treat them like they're some outcasts. They're still a child of God. They're still a family member in the body. They just upset the balance at the time. They did wrong, but that don't mean God is throwing them out. So you don't want to start throwing them out. You don't want to make them an enemy because they're not an enemy of God, especially if they offended you and did not know they offended you. How about that? When they offend you and don't know they offended you. Fortunately, resentment cannot prohibit the offender from seeking and finding the Lord and restoring balance in his or her own life and relationship with God. For as with all mere feelings, resentment has its greatest impact on the one who harbors it. The fourth thing I'm getting here that we do instead of forgiving is called reservation. The fourth thing is reservation. Reservation is keeping back, withholding, or setting apart the making of some exception or qualification. An exception or qualification made expressly or tactically. A mental reservation. So let's look at let, let's look at this in, in, in layman's term. Reservation is the offended setting apart his or her life from the offender. Reservation is the offended setting apart his or her life from the offender. So someone offends you, and now, guess what? You just say, I don't mess with them. Yes, you begin to avoid them, brother Is So he or she also establishes boundaries, limitation, and qualifications for peaceful coexistence with the offender. Both the offender and the offender, both the offended and the offender will have relationships with third parties and each will strive to establish greater influence over the non-aligned. You know what that means? So, yes. So, Izzy and I, Izzy offended me. I'm kind of mad at him. He not kind of, you know, talking to me. And so I kind of put him on a reservation. Not messing with him. I try to avoid him in every way. But here is what we do when we start doing the avoiding thing, Brother D. He got his crew that he talked to. I got my crew that I talked to. But then there's a there's a, a, a batch of people that didn't really choose camp. They don't know what's going on. But but we look around and we says, the more people I have on my side, the more innocent I am. 
So, so now, is he's got his people that he keeps around him. I've got my people that I keep around me, but here I go. I'm talking extra now to other people because I'm trying to get other people to like me. So now I can show Izzy I've got more people for me than you've got for you because we're living a life. Well, the, 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 the one that got offended is living a life of what we call reservation. I'm, I'm keeping you on reserve on a reservation. I don't want to deal with you. And so, you know, I might give you the head bob. I might give you the praise the Lord, but we are not connecting. We're not having no relationship and we're using that as forgiveness church people are good at reservation yep you're speaking just for speaking sake but if there's been an offense there needs to be forgiveness reservation is satisfactory to both parties until one crosses over the boundaries or wins the favor of too many third parties Each feels they must protect their territory of influence. The more active such protective measures become, the more peace becomes a cold war. So eventually reservation could become a cold war where you're really having war the way you're interacting with one another and third parties, but you're not saying it. But it really is a war because you're trying to get more people to be your friend so you can show the other person you're the person that's been wrong. See more people like me and more people are hanging with me because you are not a good person. Okay. Such a balance of power does not restore fellowship in spirit and in truth, but it can blind both the offended and the offender to the seriousness of their situation. It is spiritually brink. What is this word? Brinkmanship. I've never heard that before. Spiritual brinkmanship. I got to ask Brother Dibble what that word. I got to remember that. <laughs> All right. The, the fifth thing is roll off. Roll off. That's the fifth thing you do. This this is a good one. Roll off. So instead of you forgiving someone, the fifth thing, roll off. What is roll off? What is roll off? Roll off is, well, let me give you, I'll give you the long definition. I didn't want to give you the long definition, but let me give you the long definition. Roll off, an old term taken from the electronics and broadcasting industry describing the elimination of high frequencies from the transmission to reduce static in the broadcast. (laughs) Since static mostly occurs in the higher frequencies, cutting them off reduces static. It also decreases the quality of the material being broadcast. To reduce the static, most high frequency sound must be rolled off. That's how they came up with roll off. Roll-off is also a term used to describe what happens to water on a duck's back. You are more familiar with that. The oil produces the oil produces the duck's body coats, the feathers, and causes water to drop, to roll off. So when the, 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 the duck is oily, and because the duck is oily, the feathers get oily. And so when water get on the duck, It just rolls right off. Roll off is ignoring the offense as a means of avoiding the sacrifice of forgiveness. The demands for restitution, 
the devastation of retaliation, the wounds of resentment, and the isolation of reservation. It is one level of spirituality higher than reservation. Roloff is the highest level of human tolerance. It decides that balance is not attainable until the end and chooses to pretend the static caused by the offense really does not exist. Roloff is mathematical forgiveness, <laughs> scorekeeping. Eventually, the buildup of static cannot be ignored. The after effects of the offense and new offenses becomes intolerable. When this happens, reservation results. Roloff keeps the water of life from making contact with the spirit, soul, and body, making washing impossible. While Roloff at best seems to keep the peace for a while, it also takes the true joy of loving fellowship out of life it really only perpetuate the imbalance as it is so roll off don't work either finally things we do as alternative instead of forgiving the sixth thing is forgetting <laughs> forgetting to cease to remember when you forget something you cease to remember to to omit to think of, to take no note of, to cease or omit to think of something. Forgetting is the ultimate alternative to forgiveness. It is the highest level of spirituality outside of God's plan. Forgetting is the offended trying to go beyond roll off to actually not remember the offense anymore. Forgetting is living a lie. Pretending that the problem never existed or exists no more. Pretending that the effects are natural and to be accepted as natural and right. Men can often put things out of their minds so that they do not dwell upon them. But memory is only partially under the control of men. Memory is only partially under the control of men. They can impress things upon their minds to make them easier to remember, but they cannot ensure that they will not remember things they would rather forget. So we can put some things under control to say, I'm not going to remember that. And eventually it can be that way. But here's the problem. You don't have total control over your memory. And things can come to your mind in memorizing things that you did not want to remember. I'm telling you that for one that used to be a sinner and got saved, there's some, some things that come to my mind about when I was a sinner that I did not want to remember, but it was brought to my mind. Because there's a devil that exists and he's going to stir it up and try to bring things to your mind. So you can't just think that you can put things out of your mind and forget them and it remains that way. Something or someone will cause the offense to be remembered. Somebody will bring something up to you that you're trying to forget and you don't have control over somebody bringing something up to you. Something will be said or done to create a new offense in some manner connected to or related to the one which has been forgotten. 
This usually happens when the offended is at a weak point in his or her life. So when you try to put it out of your mind and not remember, that doesn't work either. That doesn't work either. The offended should know that God does not want offenses to be forgotten. He may personally choose not to remember them anymore when men accept and follow his plan of salvation. But even God does not forget them. He wants a good balance to be achieved so he will ensure that offenses are brought back into awareness of both offended and the offender. The sincere forgetter is usually frustrated and feels that their inability to truly forgive and forget marks them as failure at being a Christian. This can lead to their losing to them losing their salvation. You can't control totally not remembering something. Put it now in your mind and says, I don't want to remember. You, you don't have the control over that. As a matter of fact, God don't forget. And we like to say, oh, you know, God, for, you know, forgave us for our sins and, you know, he forgets. No. And also, too, some of the things that comes to your mind, you need to remember them. Just like we sang tonight, never forget. Because you want to remember where God brought you from. That you were in a bad place before you got to where you are today. So things don't get forgotten, but they get handled through forgiveness. <laughs> Why no alternative for forgiveness work? When the offense is remembered, forgetting fails and results in roll off, which fails when, tolera when, when um, tolerated toleration limit is reached and then degeneration into reservation, which is destroyed by competition for friends and territory, either inadvertently or purposely. This creates tension, which degenerates into resentment, both for failure to maintain the boundaries and also for the original offense. Resentment breeds and grows, feeding on itself and eventually justifies retaliation, which creates a chain reaction of evil for evil that does not result in restitution. But total war, this results in the ruin of both the offender and the offended. And so, biblical foundation for forgiveness there's only one way to handle it, and that is to forgive. There is no dancing around it. There's no silent treatment. There's no resentment. There is no restitution. There is no roll-off. There's no reservation. None of that stuff that we do, we probably didn't know the name of what they were that we were doing, but I just brought them to your attention tonight to let you know we were doing things that weren't biblical. We were doing what we thought would suffice. But when someone does something to you to hurt you, to offend you, to do you wrong, you don't have any other choice but to forgive them. If you do anything else, you're not in right relationship with God. Because we read in, Luke, in Matthew chapter 6, we start going down to verse 14 and 15 where it says, if your heavenly father forgive you, then how much should you forgive others? And if you don't forgive others, then God cannot forgive you. So some of us could be walking around with a pile of sin as Christians because we're walking around not forgiving others. 
So we might sing and we might shout and we may clap our hands and we might sing our songs and we might read our Bibles and we pray and we do all that we do. But if we're carrying around unforgiveness toward anyone, you have a pile of stuff on you that need to come off of you. And the only way for it to come off of you is not by going to God, it's by forgiving that person. And so when, what you might need is to go to God and say, help me to forgive them because you told me and command me to do that. And so, Lord, I'm struggling with that. So help me to forgive. And don't make that no lifetime journey of asking God to help you because the bottom line is we need to forgive people. One of the easiest way to forgive people is to realize you are not perfect. If you would just just be real with yourself and says, I am not perfect. I have certainly hurt some people. I have certainly done some people wrong. And maybe I didn't look at my doing somebody wrong as worse than you doing something wrong. And so I thought that I wasn't that bad. But the bottom line is we already read that. What you might think is little, God says, if you do the least of it, you have, you have, you have done all the law. You, you have did wrong in the sight of the laws. So you can't go around thinking because you did this. And it wasn't that bad. And when that person did this to you, that now that was bad. You can't live your life like that. When we do wrong, we did wrong. And the only way to get around that is forgive. And it's easy to forgive people when you realize that you have done wrong. As a matter of fact, I've grown a little bit in God to realize that if someone did something to me, Quite possibly, I might have provoked something in them. <laughs> you, don't <want> to <laughs> you, you don't want to go with that, huh? Well, I'm grown up a little bit. So, 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 so if someone come to me and told me that I've done something to them, I want to hear about it. Because I want to know where I'm making errors. I want to know where I can make correction in my walk with God. So if I do anything to anyone, I need you to come tell me that I've done you wrong in some kind of way. Because then I need to be on guard to not do that to anyone else. But we get offended when somebody come and tell us, you know, blah, 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 blah. Forgiveness. We can't do anything else but to forgive when we have offended or when we get offended. The only alternative is to do what God says. No other way. And if we want to really get it done, we ought to realize that we have made many mistakes and we have done many people wrong. There's none one of us in here that's perfect. All of us have done something wrong. All of us have done something to hurt somebody, to disappoint somebody, to inflict hurt on somebody. All of us has done that. And so because you know that, you need to be quick to forgive someone when they have hurt you. Now, we'll get into some of this some more. I mean, you know, we know the scripture that says, how many times should my brother, should I forgive my brothers? And we know 70 times seven. And so, you know, you know. Getting frustrated and saying, I'm telling you, man, when you grow up in God, you just have a different perspective because I can't even get frustrated if someone said, well, they did that to you 15 times. How much more can you take? You know, what's my easy perspective? 
How many times did I sin against God? It's so easy to me to just, when you're striving to live for God, man, you, listen, I look for the challenges in God. I'm not always going to overcome them right away, but I look for the things that's going to make me better. That's going to make me a better Christian. I'm looking for those because the bottom line is for me to start worrying about, oh, you have done this 50, 11 times. I'm thinking about how many times I've done the same sin in the sight of God and he forgave me. So why am I going to be a hypocrite now? Don't want to give you for the 20th time and God has forgiven me for the 50th time. What is that all about? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I don't know. I know emotions play a big part, and our emotions sometimes can steer us in the wrong way. And you have heard me say, because I'm a normal person, you've heard me say, sometimes immediately the emotion takes over, Brother D, and I understand that. So sometimes we don't, we're not ready to forgive right away uh, because of emotion, because of the 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 the, the hurt. The, 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 whatever just happened at that moment, we're not quick to forgive right away. But I pray to God we're Christians enough that we gather ourselves eventually because we're constantly talking to God. And you talk to God constantly. God is going to let you know, all right, I hear you, but you know you got to go fix that situation. And so when he tell you got to go fix it, then you know you got to go fix it. So you might not go and straighten it out right away because you were so hurt, so upset, so frustrated when it happened. But we got to go and get it straightened out eventually. There is no alternative to forgiveness. The only thing we can do when there is offense is to forgive. Whether you were the offender or whether someone offended you, the only thing you can do is is forgive. You forgive someone or you go to someone and ask for their forgiveness. Somebody say amen. Let's stand to our feet. I think I have... um, couple things I want to remind you of before we go. Um, If you are planning, if you would like to stay overnight at the Marriott um, after our Christmas banquet, you have to make your reservation no later than this Friday, tomorrow. So if you wanted to just have a nice little night out by yourself or with your spouse and you wanted to just, you know what I mean, just dodge the kids for you know, a minute, you know what I mean, and have a good time in Marriott and just roll on home early Christmas morning. You can book a hotel at a, um, at a discounted price, and um, you can stay the night Friday night if you choose. Um, but you must, you must, you must make the reservation by tomorrow. If not, they're going to remove the, um, the hole that they have placed for us. And I didn't give you the CFC envelope, did I, Tom? Did I bring them in? Okay, so they're at their house. I got to give it so, so we can put them on a tree. You do have them? Okay. All right. We can put them on a tree. Yep. Um, I thought about this, and I want to say this so you know I'm not, very, I'm not being insensitive at all. I know that we have been a great um, um, giving church, and I want us to continue to give. I know that we have been faithful in our tithes and our offering. I know we have been faithful in our reach and giving, but we do the Christmas for Christ every year, and I can't say... Oh, we're in a building program, folks, so we just can't give this year. That's just not the way you do things. Um, You might not be able to give as much as you used to give for Christmas for Christ, but I still want you to do your best in giving um, to Christmas for Christ. We've always supported Christmas for Christ, as you know. We believe in it and what the monies go for. So we'll have the envelopes, and we'll still go through the same same process where you get an envelope and you give. We want to still keep giving to Christmas for Christ. Yeah, we're shelling out a lot of money, um, but... 
you just only can do what you can do and um, let the Lord do what he's going to do. And, you know, my, my encouragement to you is there is no better place to spend your money than, um, you know, <laughs> in the house of the Lord and on the people you love. That's where I'm. That's where I am right now. The house of God and the people I love. If whatever my, my family want right now, this I just that's just what I feel in my spirit, and my heart right now, that God's kingdom and my family and those of you that I love. That's just where I am. I, I just that's just all that matters. If we get out of here anytime soon, let it be said that we love God and we love people. That's what needs to be said at our funeral when we left out, when we leave out of here, that we love God and we love people. You know, that's the highest uh, um, um, honor you can be given at your funeral. You love God and you serve God with all your heart and you love people. That's all you want to do. That's all you want to do. Everything else is gravy. But if you do those two things, you die in high honor. And so strive for that. Whatever you can do to bless the kingdom of God. And whatever you can do to make sure you make the people you love happy, just do that. Um, if someone would get the basket, we, uh, you know, um, we'll do our basket before we leave here. But let's pray and thank God tonight for his word. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for bringing us together one more time. Oh, God, the word that we heard tonight is challenging. But, Lord God, it is your word. And, Lord, your word is true. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but your word shall not pass away. And God, if we're going to have great success in this hour, if we're going to have great success in our life, Lord God, the only way to do that is to obey your word, is to live out the word of God. And, oh, God, we pray tonight that the word that we've heard will take root in our heart. It will grow and produce good fruit. For, Lord, we truly want to not have any reservation in forgiveness lord but lord that we will forgive as necessary lord god that we will obey your word and not allowing offense lord god to cause us to have resentment that will cause us lord god to not treat one another in love but i pray tonight lord god that the word will take root in our heart and the word of god will move us to a place lord god where we will realize that we must forgive. And Lord, you have been so good to us, forgiven us of our sins, dying upon Calvary's cross as an innocent man, Lord God, just so we could be forgiven. I thank you tonight, Lord God, for opening up our understanding, for speaking to us, and for giving us the tool that we need to live holy, to live righteous, to live free, Lord God. I pray tonight in the name of Jesus Christ, that the people of God will be free in Jesus' name. That we will, oh God, obey your word and forgive, Lord God. That we will not hold one another hostage. That we will not try to hurt or harm one another because we hurt. I pray, Father, that you'll give us the strength and that you'll move upon us in a mighty way, in a miraculous way to say, yes, I forgive you. To say, yes, I hold no charge to you. To say, yes, I love you and I want God's will to be done in your life. God, as we go from this place tonight, will you keep us? Will you let your will be done in our life, Lord God? Give us safe travels home. And Lord, for every prayers, pray here tonight. We pray, Lord God, that you'll grant your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. 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 Church, I thank you for your, for your time and for your patience and for your attention. Have a wonderful rest of your night. God bless you in Jesus' name.
Oh, prayer breakfast this Saturday morning. So don't forget this Saturday morning, 8 a.m., prayer breakfast. We hope to see you there.